All right, welcome back to the Prospecting Show. Today is Wednesday, December 30th. This is the last show of the year, and we got my good friend, John Fishman, on the call. How are you? Good, how's it going? Yeah, man, things are good. So uh, I know the Prospecting Show, it started uh, November of last year, right? So we're like 13, 13 months in here, and the whole goal of the show was to interview entrepreneurs and small business owners to figure out what they do and how they help other people. So to kick it off, um, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do, so the, the, the present here first. Sure. Um, first of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm man. happy we got to get to know each other better during COVID. So <laughs> consider you a, a, a COVID friend. Um, yeah, my business, I'm, I'm based in New York City. Um, I founded a business development company about two years ago. Our focus is on working with startups and a host of companies to provide business development as a service. Um, we felt like there was a void in the market and we saw a lot of investors that were out there leading with capital and then following with business development or advisory as a service. And we, we chose to take a slightly different approach, which we think also plays a role in the, in the ecosystem. And we're focused on providing business development as a service or as a solution. And, and so to kind of go backwards, right, to, to the to the past, how did you get to this point, right? So like this is an idea, you obviously saw the marketplace had the need because of the investors and the capital was there and then the biz dev was on the back, but like, how did you start here? What, what were you doing in the past that led up to having these kind of skills? Yeah, I think it, it starts with um, being a people person and being relationship driven. Um, I guess I get some of that from my family or my father has kind of always been good. Uh, my parents have always been good as um, having a lot of friends and being social and treating people the right way. And so I learned a lot of skill sets from them. And then that transition just in my life, both, you know, whether it was in academics or social or sports, the things that I was interested in and just being around people on a regular basis, um, not so much business oriented. Um, even as a kid, I was the type that would enjoy spent, you know, getting to know my closest friends' parents and hanging out in the kitchen and, you know, in essence, just, you know, talking, learning from them and telling them, like, what my ideas were, what was on my mind. And so there was a lot of maturity at a young age around um, conversations and relationships. And then kind of in the business world, I was fortunate enough to work with and for some pretty substantial and successful entrepreneurs. And so it exposed me to a lot of different situations and meetings and phone calls and presentations and expectations. And kind of when you wrap that all together, that was the backbone to feel comfortable um, continuing down this path of essentially building a business development company. And in your experience, right, there's a lot of people who do prospecting, like I kind of break down sales into three categories. And I don't know if everyone does this, but this is kind of the way we see it is you have the uh, actual prospecting, then there's like the appointment setting, and then there's like the closing, right? All that has to happen before a deal is done and it moves into fulfillment within the business. Do you focus on all three of those? Do you focus on one of those three? Like what, what does that look like for your business and your delivery? Yeah, I, I would say we're heavier in the first two areas. I don't think we necessarily break it down under the prospecting or the, <clears throat> excuse me, the scheduling. And then obviously closing happens in every situation. Uh, the best work we do is hand in hand with our clients and our partners. So um, ones that are better at closing take leadership on that front. Others that are like, you know, 
we could, John, we could use your, your efforts here to see a deal to fruition. We're there by their side, strategically on calls, reviewing information, et cetera. And uh, in those first two buckets, I mean, yes, there's a lot of ideation and around who we're gonna to speak to, who are, where are the right opportunities are created. I think in general, we're a big believer in our kind of like our, our new tagline is we generate opportunities. So um, obviously you, know, you look at a sales funnel and you probably know the explanation better than I do, but um, opportunities to us just mean that there's, there's a warm element to it. It could be a relationship we have, a relationship we're building. Um, so we try and deliver uh, opportunities or business uh, business opportunities further down in the sales funnel, like as our starting place. Yeah, and and so when you engage with these companies, right? There, there's a lot of different uh, companies that do business development, and there's companies who do outsource sales, SDR roles, lead gen, right? Facebook ads, paid ads, you know, whatever those different techniques are. What do you think is something that makes you and, and your team different, right? Like, well, what is what is the piece where someone's like, hey, I'm working with John and his team because of X. What is that, what is that thing? Yeah, um, I think we're, we're, again, we're more people oriented. We utilize tech, but we lead with the human interaction or the relationship itself. Um, sometimes to get someone on the phone or to schedule a call or to send information obviously we're we've become or we've always been masters of using email and text and all the different tools that are out there um but i would say that is probably one of the differentiators and to your point i mean we are we describe ourselves as outsourced business development which means that there's two types of groups we could work with we could work with groups that are founder led where the leadership team is driving all business development initiatives for the company um, that you tend to see more in the like early stage startup world. And then as those groups move down the capital raising uh, pathway uh, and they start to hire a leader and in, internal leader in biz dev, we also embrace those situations and do our best to work hand in hand with those with that leader, business development leader internally, or the team, the business development team. And our job is to find the right balance and where we could support them and kind of bring new opportunities to the forefront and work hand in hand with them and things roll up to the, you know, to the CEO or founder, co-founder situations. Yeah, and, and so what makes a, a good fit for, for you guys, right? I know there's a lot of companies out there. There's, there's the whole product-based companies, there's the service-based companies, and then there's all these segmentations within, within those markets. What makes somebody a good fit to work with you? Yeah, I mean, um, one, of, one of the pitches that we've been using um, over the last few months, and it kind of came to fruition, the more conversations we had and seeing the, 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 the greatest impact we were having with clients and, and projects we were working on, uh, we like to look for uh, companies that have some, some differentiated technology service or product. So let's just say that it's okay if there's some saturation, but we try and not go into overly saturated, work with companies that are in an over, overly saturated space. Um, that's one element. The second is we also like to, to work with groups that are a little bit under the radar. Um, and if like those two things come together, that's where we're in theory able to do our best work because our job is to figure out 
where are the where do we create the business opportunities around uh, what their differentiated tech service or product is and two is how do we bring awareness to them in the marketplace because when we start working with them maybe the level they're at is not satisfactory to the leadership team at the company yeah and that makes a lot of sense too right companies that are already at the top of have a whole team in-house is not gonna be a good fit because you guys are able to take them from where they're at to where they want to go um in your experience because you you have a kind of a diverse background and you talked a little bit about you know where you came from what do you think the future of business development is going to look like for these companies, right? They used to be, you know, we did a lot of medical consulting in, in 2019 and we went to trade shows like every week, right? That was a huge thing. It's like, let's go to a trade show. Let's throw up the booth. Let's go meet a bunch of other vendors. Let's go out for dinner. Let's do this and that. That used to be the model. Yeah. It's not like that anymore, right? We got with COVID through, through 2020. I mean, we're coming up on one year really since the US shut down, I think like March, right? End of February, March, something like that. And it's changed. So so what do you see the future looking like for, for business development? Yeah, um, I think what I've, at least let's look at where it's at today and how we've approached it. Obviously being extremely active on all the, you know, the best platforms that are out there uh, prior to us starting this this conversation i was showing you an email i got today from a tool called lunch club which i'm a big fan of uh, i was introduced to it in the first quarter of 2020 and it was basically before COVID happened it was a in-person networking uh solution right it would bring two people together that were in the same location or same city and they say connor you meet john at this coffee shop Right? In, if it was New York and Union Square, let's just say, COVID hits and they completely pivoted to a virtual networking solution. And so when I heard that that was available and at the time there was no cost, I made it a commitment over the course of the last nine or 10 months every week to hold, uh, to basically lock in three slots to have lunch club conversations. And so after nine months, I had, I just got today, I was notified in 2020, I had 107 lunch club meetings. Uh, each one's a half hour, so you can do the math, you know, 50 hours or so of time. Not that big of a commitment, you know, at scale. And I think that is a small sampling of how I look at building relationships, okay? I could do, and then I mix that maybe with tools that are out there that are more the churn and burn, the five minute, you know, mix, you know, meet and greet. You and I also were connected, I think, originally through the founders and funders group. Um, and so that was, you know, during COVID and hopefully will continue to be a great way of meeting people in, you know, smaller group settings online. But I think the difference between where we're at today and where we're going, as I said, relationships are central to how we look at business development. Um, but I think it's about the, um, the experience that those two people share outside of just a Zoom call or a phone call or a text yeah. conversation. Yeah. I think in-person has to be relevant. And if it isn't, hopefully it does come back to where it was at, but there will be this mix and match between online and in-person. And uh, and then maybe when you have the in-person, how do you carry that on You know, in a virtual? If you were visiting from, where are you based in, Phil, in Pennsylvania? From Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. West Side. If you came up to New York, like let's say we built this relationship over the last year, you come to New York, I hope you'd feel comfortable being like, John, I'm in New York, let's get together and we'll sure. do that. But then once you go back to Pittsburgh and maybe aren't traveling here for the next year or six months or whatever it is, how do we keep that relationship going 
where I still feel like we're we're living up to the magic that was created if it was an in-person, you know, dinner we shared or networking event we went to or conference or whatever the, uh, you know, the interaction is in person. Yeah, it's an interesting concept too, because I think one of the uh, bigger things about networking the old way versus the new way is if back in the day, right, a year ago, <laughs> it, it was, if you wanted a one-to-one -one meeting, you had to physically go somewhere, you drive back and forth, take the subway or whatever, to have that one-on-one -on -one meeting, or you do the one-to-many approach by doing the conference. Now what I can do is have 10 times the meetings in the same amount of time and not have to go anywhere and I can just walk to the next room to eat some food. You know what I mean? Like it, it's really changed the way that you do some stuff. And I, and I think that allows more scalability, faster paths to revenue, quicker relationships. And also if something's not going right, if it's not a good fit, you can get out real quick. And, and it's not like, oh, I just drove 45 minutes to have a meeting that wasn't a good fit. It's like, let's jump on Zoom, let's chat, or let's do a phone call, take five, 10 minutes. If it makes yeah. no sense, we won't talk ever again. It yeah. is what it is. And that yeah. model is just so much more scalable because now I can hire a remote sales team or, or or a business development team like you guys and i don't have to worry about where you're physically located it's great yeah the the, the scalability of virtual interactions is obviously exponential to in person um, but i think the business you're in the business that i'm in lend itself to to you know to having that volume of of, of conversations and kind of seeing where it all leads I do think there are businesses out there that still that can't be recreated or replicated online. You know, there's plenty of like, you know, man, I'm not in the manufacturing world, but if you're in the manufacturing business or you're doing site inspections and on and on and on, like I come from the real estate world, like you're not able to do construction remotely, right? No one's figured that out yet. Right, right. Um, short of some robotic solution or, you know, uh, modular building and et cetera. But the point is that I think um, if virtual lends itself to being more successful, then new businesses are going to be built around leveraging the, the, the volume that can be created online. And, um, and I think you and I think alike is what tools do you kind of introduce into your tech stack or tech ecosystem related to maximizing your day? And, and, and being out there and conversational and doing prospecting, et cetera. And I think that's where there's massive opportunity because there's so many tools available. Which ones do you use? How do you use them? How do you create efficiencies? How do you weed out stuff that may not be integrated? How do you mix in new stuff? You know, testing out new elements of technology that's available. Um, so I learned, I hope I could always share my knowledge when I work with clients, but half the time, if it's a technology group, just the way they may use Slack, I never thought of using it in that way. The way their CRM system is, you know, is, is implemented or built. I was like, oh, that's a good use case. So constantly learning, I think, is, is, is key to being able to develop a business. And a great quote I heard recently, just to share um, something along the lines of um, innovation, um, yeah, yeah, no. So I, I, I think I think it's important as we wait here for for the quote for from John. I think the the bigger point for all of us is there. There's a lot of opportunity here going forward for people to grow their businesses in a way that they weren't able to before. And I think the the value there is like, hey, 
you know, if you want to grow your business, there's more opportunity now than there was before because everybody's already adopted these technologies, right? So that that's kind of the future yep. uh, of where we're going. I got you, the do, quote. I got the quote here. Gary Hamill. I'm not. I don't know too much about him, but this is copy and pasted. Uh, his quote is: "To be an innovator, you don't need a crystal ball. You need a wide angle lens." And I think that captures it really well. Um, and just kind of seeing everything that's out there, you don't have to necessarily predict the future, but you have to see what's going on, have a feel, have a pulse, you know, be active, be engaged, and that will help you formulate elements or the full rollout of innovation. I don't think you could just predict what's going to happen next. Right. No, yeah, it's, it that that's a very valid point. I think the other thing that's that's even kind of parallels that is not that we can predict it, but we can look at trends in past histories and things that have been successful and understand what people are interested in, right? Everybody wants to make money, save money, save time, be more efficient. Everybody wants those four things, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. No one ever goes to work and says, oh man, I wish this task took twice as long. Nobody says yep. that, right? Because it's not what they're looking for. Everyone wants to do it cheaper, faster, quicker, better, right? Um, less people, whatever it is. And so if we can think about that as we innovate going forward, whether that's an outsourced business development and prospecting and sales and a deliverable on the backside, some kind of tech or you know software, whatever you're doing, I think that the key today, like going into 2021, the key is speed. How fast? Can you implement or iterate on the thing you have so that you can get that data back and you can do the next step? The yeah. speed is the everything. There's people all the time that come to us and they're like, well, you send 25,000 cold emails a week. Why so much? I'm like, because we do more than everybody else, right? The whole goal is to do more than everybody else because we know that the outcome stems from that. And so I yeah. think it's really interesting that people are always worried about like, hey, is this perfect? Now, imperfect action every day leads to consistency, which leads to outcome. Don't fool yourself that the perfect email or the perfect LinkedIn message or the perfect phone yeah. call or the perfect whatever, right. um, lunch club, right? Yeah. The perfect meeting doesn't have to exist. It's that you need to do a lot of them and learn from them and then they can become perfect. Yeah, my good, I'm a big uh, follower. I became friendly with a guy named Jesse Itzler and his organization. Uh, we're working actually closely on a few projects together. Um, his group, one of his business um, divisions is called Build Your Life Resume. And I want to attribute this statement to him where he said, just start the process. You know, I, I have a tendency in my, you know, in, in my earlier days to maybe try and think what the other side, how they were going to interpret what it is I didn't even do yet. And I think if you just say <laughs> and create a storyline in your head and that by itself, you know, it's almost like I think someone said all all ceilings are man-made, right? So if you kind of like live your life that way, that anything is possible and don't don't create business limitations before you've actually, to your point, just got, you know, started to get going. Um, I always was kind of, I went to, um, to NYU for uh, my real estate masters in my early 20s. And uh, a professor there that sadly passed away maybe like 10 years ago said that your 20s are all about um, learning, your 30s are all about positioning, and your 40s are all about reaping the benefits of 20 years of learning and positioning. I'm 41. And so in my mind, when I look around at other 41 year olds that maybe have more net worth or wealth or perceived success, whatever it is, I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to kind of stick to this game plan. And, uh, and, and like, obviously like the work ethic I gained in my early years as an analyst and, you know, and working for someone that expected like the highest level of performance. When you talk about speed, I've been trained to be highly responsive. Like you could text me or call me. I don't say like, you know, it's the, it's the end of the year, Connor. I'm not saying that, oh, I'm shutting down because it's the end of the year. I'm saying it's just another week. It's a, you know, it's one of the 52. Yes, less people, but this, some of the best deals we've ever worked on happened in December of the year. And, um, you know, so I kind of treat each moment in time as its own opportunity and make the best of it and kind of see more like glass half full type of perspective. Yeah, that, that's totally true too. And I think it comes back down to communication, right? And, and kind of one point I want to make here is, I don't know if this is a quote that somebody else made, but I kind of thought about it the other day. It's that you can't, uh, you can't get an answer to the question you don't ask, right? And I just kind of thought about that. I was in this Facebook group where there's a bunch of other entrepreneurs and, I, and they said like, well, what's the, what's the biggest problem? It's like, you can't answer, you can't get an answer to a question or a problem yeah. that you have that you never asked. And like a lot of people looked at that and went like, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, yeah, it does. Like if you don't ask the yeah. thing, if you don't say, hey, what about this? Yeah. Or how about that? Or what do you think? They can never answer it so you can get no information. I think that's yeah. the- And the skill is just kind of like um, tracing it back to my past and how it's, you know, how it's helpful to what I'm doing today. I always enjoyed the process of due diligence, okay? I come from many years in the real estate industry. We used to go and buy real estate, buy a building, buy a portfolio, and we would have to go into an owner, essentially an owner of the business's office. Many times in New York, if you're buying real estate, it was the basement or it was some 50 year old unrenovated office. And you would have to sit with someone that uh, with, didn't want to really answer questions, didn't want to become your friend, just, just wanted to sell the building. That was his goal or her goal. And uh, the art of sitting with those people, understanding who they are, you know, what are their pain points? Where, you know, where can you learn information? Um, that skill of kind of fact finding and asking questions to get answers has been an invaluable uh, skill set that has carried with me to today. And so now when I work with a group and I'm trying to service them or work with them to expand their opportunities and, and, and act in a business development capacity, and I'm out navigating in the marketplace for different opportunities for them. I have to be a good listener. I have to, to come up with ideas. I have to ask the questions. I have to see, have a vision for where something can be created and then kind of make it, you know, essentially make it happen. We're big on execution. So that's people say like, so, you know, early on, so you're a consultant and I'm all for the, the role a consultant plays. But I think where we differentiate is we'll do strategy ideation but we're bigger, uh, we perform more in the execution space and having the idea, but then actually putting the pieces in place to make it come to life or work with our clients to make it come to life. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the most important piece because at the end of the day, ideas are just ideas, right? It's the execution that that actually leads to the outcome that you're looking for. And so I think that's a that's a really good piece to kind of wrap it up because I like to keep these yep. you know fairly short, twenty minutes or so. What what is the tell us one more time about who your ideal customer is and then how those people can reach you, whatever channel or platform or whatever it is that you would like. Yeah. So um, our website is. Company's name is Busy Dev, B-I-Z-Y-D-E-V. I'm sure Connor will have all the best links for it in the in the podcast text uh, and link outs. 
I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I, I take pride in being responsive on inbound uh, messages or communication that is not uh, fully templated. I want someone to actually put the time in to customize why we should be connecting. So just a little effort, you will always get a restore, usually get a response from me. And if you don't, pick me a second time. Um, as I said, I'm, I take pride in being responsive. So um, I have a, a tagline that I use that I joke with some of my friends. I'm happy to share with your audience. Hopefully it's not, doesn't go too wide because it's still a little bit of a secret sauce. It's the acronym FU. I think I may have mentioned this to you. And uh, it's all about following up. Um, and so sometimes I use the FU in the subject line just to get someone's attention, but you know, spelled out, it's FU is short for following up. Um, and again, like the, the types of companies that we're looking to work with, we, we, we want to work with, with great companies. We want to work with companies that have the same DNA that we do, that care about putting something out in the world that will make a difference, that are in, in their own right you know, take take pride in treating their customers or their investors or their clients at the highest level possible. And uh, we want them to embrace us as their partner. You know, we're choosing to work with them. They're choosing to hire us. That's the chemistry and the magic that we're putting together. And then how do we attack the, the business world as partners to, you know, grow, the, grow their company uh, and to ultimately, you know, make money or to gain, you know, market traction that they're looking to achieve. Yeah, so that's perfect. For anyone who, who ends up listening to this podcast, if you're looking for the business development services, I know John's got a, a market that he, he kind of serves, but at the end of the day, uh, you're going to notice, I think most people are going to notice that the, the world and the way that sales are being done are totally different today than they used to be. And so if you're looking to outsource sales, even if you're uh, earlier on, but have a proven offer and, and they don't have 100 people on staff, I think there's there's a great fit to have John and his team work on on business development because at the end of the day, you can go hire someone and train someone and put them through that process, or you can just hire somebody who actually knows what they're doing, uh, yeah. which is probably and, and, and as a friendly offer, offer for most to your audience, like kind of as like a on the spot value, you know, value offer. Anyone can reach out. Like I am. There's there's no judgment. Don't try and create a storyline in your head as to why you're you are are not a good client or potential fit. If I could be helpful to anyone in in Connor's community feel free to kind of ping me and be in touch. Uh, and I was kind of looking back, we dropped a lot of quotes on this podcast, which is not my normal style, but that may be, there may be something there for a future podcast as you just drop quotes to each other back and forth <laughs> and then talk around it, right? Oh, that's funny. Well, man, listen, I, I really appreciate your time. Again, busy dev, John Fishman. Thank you so much for coming on the prospecting show. Like I said, last episode of the year, this will get launched tomorrow um, on the 31st and we'll go out before the end of the year. Really appreciate your time, man. Have a great rest of the day and thank you for coming on the prospecting show.